Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10 a.m. on the dot Pacific Standard Time. It is the, oh God, the seventh day of February 2024. This is episode 853 of Bitcoin and the Circle P is open for business. And I'm going to do Maple Trade again because Maple Trade is tapping his trees right as we speak. The sap is flowing. <clears throat> and I do believe that Maple Trade, aka Bisnerds, that's at B E I S nerds nerds baby it's buys nerds B E I S nerds both on Noster and on Twitter you want to buy some good maple syrup you want to buy good soap if you do and I know you do you're gonna to want to get yours from buys nerds aka maple trade like I said I think he's tapping about 250 maple trees he makes all of his maple syrup by hand by hand. Do you have any idea what it takes to make this stuff by hand? I mean, I barely know what it takes to make this stuff by hand because he told me. He told me. He does it in the old school way. Collects the sap by hand. Carries the sap. Puts it in pans. Starts a fire underneath it. Evaporates most of the water until it gets to a certain sugar content. And then pours it into bottles and then sends it to you. And it's delicious. And his sister Sarah make some of the best soaps that I've ever tried. He will get you hooked up with both of those. And because he's in Circle P, he always cuts me some Satoshis via Zaps for every single thing that I sell for him. And I would not sell his stuff if for a couple of reasons. He wasn't in the Circle P, and he ain't going to be in the Circle P if he didn't sell his goods and services for Bitcoin. So if you've got something that you want to sell for Bitcoin and you think it's a superior product, you get a hold of me. I'll put you in the Circle P. Now it's time for the news. We're going to start this one off with this bullshit SEC's new dealer rules focused on LPs will be challenged in court. Thank the heavens. This is Prashant Jha writing for Cointelegraph. If you don't know what we're talking about, you will hear pretty soon. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission adopted new rules yesterday, February the 6th, that redefine, quote, dealer and, quote, government securities dealer. First proposed in 2022, the new rules require more crypto market participants to register, join a self-regulatory organization, <laughs> and comply with federal securities laws. Yes, I'm sure that self-regulatory organization uh, comes with some pretty hefty fees. Probably also the uh, registration itself comes with what we call regulatory moat scale fees, which means you can't afford it. Even if you wanted to, you were if you were to say yes, 
Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to register myself. You can't afford to register yourself. And that means you got to quit. That's called regulatory moating. But whatever, the new SEC rules have garnered much criticism from the crypto community, decentralized finance ecosystem, and pro-crypto politicians. Since the rules were first proposed two years ago, the crypto community has protested, citing a lack of clarity on the definition of what a crypto security actually is. Most of the criticism stems from the definition of a dealer which could force liquidity providers to register as security dealers. Thus, all liquidity providers that control over $50 million in capital would need to register with the SEC. Okay, that's interesting. In an official statement, SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce stated that she cannot support the final rule as the definition of a dealer is, quote, inconsistent with the statutory framework within which it sits, and will distort market behavior and degrade the market quality and turns traders, many of whom are customers, into dealers. Pierce added, quote, in addition to harming the market participants who find themselves transformed into dealers, this rule harms the broader market. It penalizes liquidity provision, which means there will be less of it. The penalty comes from a costly and ill-fitting regulatory regime for liquidity-providing market participants, end quote. Many DeFi proponents and crypto experts shared concerns over the new rules on social media. Gabriel Shapiro, general counsel at Delphi Labs, paraphrased the interaction between Pierce and SEC staff on the dealer registration requirements to explain how the new rules will impact liquidity providers. And in a tweet, he says, very important exchange from today's SEC hearing where SEC staff assert that the new broker-dealer rule will make all LPs, and I guess that's liquidity providers, NAMMs into securities dealers with a registration requirement, paraphrasing Hester Pierce's incisive questioning of staff below. And let me get to that. And it wasn't up right when I thought, oh, good Lord, it's not going to do that. Hold on. Hold on, everybody. Everybody take a breather. Everybody take a breather here. Hold on. Let me see if I can't get this. Nope, it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. That's a So that's going to be the first broken segment of the show. Wow. Because I'm on a browser that Twitter doesn't like. It won't allow me to open it. It's like, oh, something went wrong. So I've got a broken cookie. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. So I'm sorry. Anyway, Cointelegraph contracted Shapiro to understand whether all liquidity providers with, and this is key, $50 million of assets under management qualify as securities dealers. He said not all liquidity providers do, but it would depend on whether the tokens in the pool are securities or the trades made through the pool are securities transactions. And Shapiro explained, quote, Currently, all such matters are being litigated both generally and more specifically, asset by asset. The senior counsel and director of global regulatory matters at Consensus, Bill Hughes, told Cointelegraph that the new rule makes it all the more important that there is a real, lasting, and workable clarity regarding what crypto assets are securities under U.S. law. And he added that the new rules on crypto will be challenged in federal court as they dramatically impact the securities market. Quote, you can expect many parties from various industries to seek judicial review. And the SEC's recent track record in such cases, 
has been poor. Oh, wow. It is astounding. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That really made me laugh. It is astounding that the SEC appears utterly uninterested in offering any clarity. It remains the case that the public's only hope in the short term is for Congress to act, end quote. As Hughes mentioned, the SEC has faced a lot of judicial pushback regarding their actions against crypto companies. Ripple, Grayscale, and most recently Coinbase have challenged the SEC's actions in court. And what 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 th- what made me laugh so freaking hard about this is that let's let's go through this again. Senior counsel and director of global regulatory matters at Consensus, Bill Hughes, told Cointelegraph that the new rule makes it all the more important that there's real lasting and workable clarity. But then he goes on to say, you can expect many parties from various industries to seek judicial review and the SEC's track record in such cases has been poor. And it's astounding that the SEC appears to remain utterly uninterested in offering any clarity whatsoever. He basically just said, especially this last sentence I'm about to read, that the SEC has literally lost all of its regulatory teeth, that it has no power whatsoever because it remains the case that the public's only hope in the short term is for Congress to act. So he's saying that Congress should step in and do SEC's job for them because their court and judicial track record is so bad. They've The SEC has lost so many cases in this field that at this point, they have no confidence in the SEC whatsoever and Congress should take over the SEC's job, at least in the short term. That's what was just said. And how can you blame him? The SEC's track record in the judicial process is abysmal over the last two years. They've lost almost everything having to do with crypto all the way to the point that Gary Gensler himself had to be the tiebreaker on whether or not spot ETFs were going to actually happen or not. And he voted yes. And he made it plain as day that he didn't want this product. And the courts forced him to do that. It's just amazing that this shit is happening. So this kind of puts to rest, at least in the short term, I am, in a, in a very real way, I am a liquidity provider, but I don't have anywhere close to $50 million of assets under management that I have deployed to make liquidity happen in open markets. Therefore, this rule doesn't apply to me. There are other things on the horizon that will or 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 could or do depends on how you want to look at it but this one i'm no longer concerned because now i actually have at least a number to go by as long as i am not providing 50 million dollars in assets under management for the processes of providing liquidity i don't really have to worry about this and neither should you because i guarantee i don't have a single listener that has $50 million in assets under management deployed to make liquidity markets happen. But let's move on. BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF inflows climb to the fifth highest among all ETFs in 2024. Helene Braun Coindesk, 17 days after the launch, the BlackRock iShares Bitcoin Trust has become one of the top five Top five, not type, top 50, 
top five exchange-traded funds of this year based on inflows, according to data from Bloomberg. The only funds that have topped IBIT's $3.2 billion of year-to-date inflows are mammoth long-standing indices, ETFs from iShares and Vanguard that offer exposure to things like the S&P 500 or, you know, the total stock market. In the number one spot with $13 billion of inflows thus far this year is the iShares Core S&P 500 ETF, which has a whopping $428 billion in assets under management. Number two, with $11.1 billion in inflows, is the Vanguard 500 Index Fund, which has nearly $398 billion. Also earning a spot in the top 10 of ETF asset gatherers this year is Fidelity's Wise Origin Bitcoin Fund, whose $2.7 billion in inflows places it eighth on the list. While those are impressive achievements for new funds, overall investment into all of the new spot Bitcoin ETFs have slowed in recent days, BlackRock's IBIT and Fidelity's FBTC, however, remain the only two funds that have continuously seen positive flows since going on the market. So, okay, so it looks like the Bitcoin ETF funds are, are you know, in, in the heavyweight class as far as traditional legacy financial instruments are concerned. So we were punching, we were punching above our weight for years, and now we're in the ring well above welterweight, we're getting, we got into the heavyweights and we're not being knocked out. Or, well, it's not being knocked out. I shouldn't say we, because that presumes that I'm in love with the ETFs. And I'm never, the only time that I would ever have an ETF is that if for whatever reason I end up back in the private sector working or even in the public sector working and somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, here's, you know, here's your options for, uh, your, uh, uh, retirement account, then I would say, do I have an option for like a, a Bitwise's ETF? And if they said yes, then I would say, then do that. Now, I, I would do that, you know, only because if I can't get them to directly buy it for me, they can at least do, do that. But, you know, that's, chances are kind of slim. In either event, punching above the weight or punching above the weight has brought us into the ring and nobody's able to knock the ETFs out because they're top five. But here's some more numbers about that kind of stuff. And Kid Warp, thank you for the 2,100 Satoshis. I appreciate it. JD Guy 00 hey man, thanks for joining. I'm glad it's your first time. I hope you hang around. The CME trading volume has reached the highest in three years after the Bitcoin ETF approval. So let's see what... Chicago or the CME is doing here. Coindesk, uh, Lila Lidzima is writing this one. Derivatives giant Chicago Mercantile Exchange witnessed a surge in trading volume in January as the U.S. saw spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds win the SEC approval. The total derivatives trading volume on CME, and here it is, rose 35% in January to $94.9 billion dollars according to data provided by CC Data. This is the highest recorded trading volume for the exchange since October of 2021, three years ago. Wow. January saw the much-anticipated approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs in the U.S. as an important milestone for institutional investors. CME is a Chicago-based firm whose business covers a wide span of financial, commodity, agricultural futures, and options. 
large institutions use CME to trade Bitcoin futures. Futures are a type of derivative contract that require buyers and purchasers uh, or buyers to purchase Bitcoin at a predetermined price at a later date, but whatever. The trading volume for Bitcoin futures. Now, remember, we're talking about these older futures products that are ETFs, not spot. Okay, we've had these for, for a while. We've had these futures or a, AKA derivative products on the spot price of Bitcoin, but these are not spot ETFs. This is what's going on in the futures market. And we've seen a 35% increase in them since the spot Bitcoin ETF futures has been approved. That's, that's important. There's a major correlation between the futures and the spot markets don't let that shit slap, slip past you. And by the way, don't trade futures markets and don't buy ETF unless that's your only vehicle to get yourself into Bitcoin. Just I'm just saying. The trading volume for Bitcoin futures rose 42% to $73 billion in January. Quote, this comes as institutional traders wound down their positions after the approval of the spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds. The exchange also recently saw the volume of Bitcoin futures open interest, the number of actual existing contracts, surpass Binance, which is the world's largest centralized exchange by trading volume. However, CC data notes that this trend is reversed, and open interest has fallen 8.5% to $4.42 billion. Bitcoin options on the exchange also fell, dropping almost 30% to $1.57 billion. Maybe people are learning their lesson to not mess around with this garbage because that's all the futures and derivatives of, of spot Bitcoin ETF price. It's all garbage. It's all there to steal your money. You're never going to win that shit unless you're an insider and wake up. And while you're in the middle of breakfast, you get a call from your best friend, Bill, who says, I'm about to cut loose on all these contracts. Do you want in? Then you can make money. But you and I, we're not part of that club. Quote, the rise in the futures volume and the decline in the options volume hints at the deleveraging and end of speculation for institutional investors who speculated on the spot Bitcoin ETF approval catalyst. Ether futures, I don't even give a shit. Not even going to worry about Ether futures. Yeah, and then that's they ended off with talking about the world's crappiest shit coin. So the futures products saw a huge rise and are starting to fall back down after and only after the approval of the spot Bitcoin ETF. So a lot of these bets that were made as to whether or not a spot ETF for Bitcoin was going to actually be approved, those bets have basically cleared the bookies. That's what's going on in the futures market right now. So it's slowing down, it's getting back down to normal, but there was a massive spike in interest, generally speaking across the board, for these futures contracts. Please, please don't trade these. I, I'm begging you, not because it helps my bag, not because, you know, I think it's, it's a bullshit instrument that doesn't actually do anything. It does, I, in my opinion, people will say, well, we've got to do price discovery. I just have a hard time believing that that comes from derivative products. I'm sure that Greg Foss would tell me just how wrong I am. But when I mean that it doesn't matter to the actual price, it doesn't mean that the price isn't affected because millions of idiots believe that it does. I'm just saying, how? 
It cannot actually do anything. If I buy physically a shit ton of oil and take it into my backyard and burn it, that might actually physically affect the spot price of oil. But I have to take physical possession of it. And you can, Southwest Airlines does take physical possession of futures contracts on oil and, 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 and airline fuel. They do that shit all the time. They were, they were the first airline to do it, and they were, are the only airline to survive this long. Braniff is gone. There's a lot of U.S. air carriers that are Continental Airlines is gone. And, and Southwest beat them all because they were taking physical possession on these bets they were making on the open futures market. That makes price because you physically possess the commodity. But if you're just trading paper, I don't think that actually should have anything to do with price. Sad news is, is that it does. Please don't trade this shit only because I don't want anybody losing their damn shirt. Now, who's buying physical Bitcoin today? You guessed it. Michael Saylor has bought yet another $37 million worth of Bitcoin, according to Nick Hoffman and Bitcoin Magazine. MicroStrategy, a leading business intelligence and software company, has continued its steadfast commitment to Bitcoin by purchasing an additional 850 BTC at a total cost of $37.2 million. And that was announced by founder and chairman Michael Saylor today. Quote, we acquired 31,755 additional Bitcoin since the end of the third quarter, making the largest quarterly Bitcoin holding increase in the last three years and the 13th consecutive quarter of adding more Bitcoin to our balance sheet. That's all we need to know from that one. That is all we need to know from that one. So think about it. 13 consecutive quarters, and they've never missed a buy from MicroStrategy. MicroStrategy for 13 straight three-month periods, a.k.a. a quarter, has continuously purchased physical Bitcoin. There's, was a couple, there was at least one quarter where they sold some for a, they somehow or another sold some for a tax thing and then they bought it all back at lower prices and everybody said that Michael Saylor was a was against Bitcoin. He was just doing he was just wearing a suit. He was being a suit. He looked at numbers and said these numbers, there's no way that I can pass these numbers up. We don't need to know what those numbers actually mean. It's just that he got a lot of shit for selling Bitcoin, but he actually bought it he bought it all back and more later on. But for 13 quarters This guy has basically shown his stripes. He doesn't ever not buy Bitcoin. I mean, 13 quarters. That's like over three years. That's pretty impressive. I mean, is that, uh, yeah, that's like four years, man. Wow, that's, that's a lot of Bitcoin. That's a lot of consecutive buys. So hats off to Michael Saylor for continuously putting his money where his mouth is. Let's run our own numbers. CNBC.com. Futures and commodities. Yay. Oil. West Texas Intermediate is up 0.68% to $73.81 a barrel. Brent North Sea is just shy of 80 bucks a barrel. Natural gas is down, wow, 1.74%. And that may very well have something to do with the fact 
that the Biden administration put the kibosh on building any new liquefied natural gas facilities in the United States, I guess to punish somebody or maybe something to do with climate change. I don't know. But natural gas is basically being taken out behind the woodshed and shot. Just just shot in the head, in the chest, in the gut. You know, maybe take out a femoral artery or two or so. It what the market wants natural gas to die because it's at one dollar and ninety seven cents. It hasn't been that low in oh my god. I got now I'm now I'm curious. I gotta go look at the chart. I have not seen sub two dollar. We'll see when was it? Okay. Man, we're talking we're talking back in um this uh, the summer of four years ago is the last time we really saw sub two dollar uh natural gas. Let me see, let me check one more data point. Yeah. The lowest I got between there uh then uh, four years ago and now, it was two dollars and eleven cents uh somewhere in April, April the ninth. So Man, they are really trying to kill natural gas at this point. Gasoline is up 2% to $2.26. Shiny Metal Rock's having a bad day, all except for gold. Chilling out at $2,052.50. Silver's down a third. Platinum is down two and two-thirds. Copper is down two and a quarter. Palladium is down, whoa, 5.67%. What are we doing for live cattle is down a half. Lean hogs down scant. Feeder cattle down a half. Let's get on into the dashboard, Clark Moody dashboard. Price of Bitcoin is $43,575. Market cap is $855.1 billion. There are 19,621 and three quarter BTC in circulation. Uh, We have an average block size of 1.67 megabytes. Hash rate is 567.9 exahashes per second. Average fees per block is half a Bitcoin. And the block space percentage is holding at 1.4%. And the block space percentage is the amount of block space being utilized by Udi Wertheimer and his little band of criminals. Now, I'm not sure because this thing has been holding at 1.4% for every single time that I've read it. So I don't know if Clark Moody Bitcoin uh, is off, but we have mempool.space here, and we might be able to tell on one of these blocks what's going on with ordinals. Let me see if I can get, it has a uh, mempool.space allows you to visualize a block and filter it for inscriptions. And I'm looking at the inscription. It looks like there's a there's a lot of inscriptions in this last this upcoming block. It looks like it's honestly, it looks like it's at least a quarter of the block is these inscriptions. So I don't know honestly if um uh if Clark Moody's dashboard is actually accurate on that 1.4 percent block space. Just I just want to be clear about that now. The amount of blocks, 295. We are now, woohoo, sub 300 blocks waiting to clear, carrying 207,000 unconfirmed transactions. High priority is going to cost you $2.50 transaction. Low priority is going at 33 Satoshis per V-byte. Anything under 11.1 Satoshis per V-byte, good row of sticks, is going to be purged from mempools around the world. And the hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 605. 
exahashes per second. And the boostograms from episode 852, a.k.a. crippled. Uh, let's see what I got here. I got Axelrod with 1,000 sats says P-O-W. God's death with 537 says, thank you, sir. The joke was utterly terrible. God's death with three, 537 says, thank you, sir. The joke was utterly terrible. God's death with 537 sats says, thank you, sir. The joke was utterly terrible. <laughs> Uncle underscore swim with 421 says, last dad joke landed for sure. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Kavart Beerborn with 250 says, thanks for the heads up on the Discord bot. It had gone below my radar. Well, well, uh, I'm glad that you're going to be able to use it. I, or at least I, I hope that it's useful. I have not played around with it yet, but I'm not on Discord all that much. So I kind of don't have a reason to, but I wanted to make sure that you guys knew about it. Uh, God's death with 100 sat says, something with my phone glitched. You deserve everyone. Well, I appreciate that, man. Cause Peeland with 100 says, I vote for 120 minute plus new shows. I'm going to try to pare that down a little bit. Uh, what happened to the boosts? Says Pies with no sats. How the hell did Pies give me a boost without actually giving me a boost? So, yeah, Pies, I don't know what's going on. That's really strange. You were able to boost me without actually giving me any Satoshis. So I don't know if you tried to give me Satoshis. I'm pretty sure you did, and it just didn't work. And yet, here you are with the Boostergram. Hey, podcasting 2.0 and value for value, we're, this is all new. All the tech is new. There's bound to be glitches. I'm not upset. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of this news that you can use. U.S. crypto miners challenge the EIA's energy usage survey. You knew it was coming. You knew they were going to balk. Thank God they did it sooner rather than later so that we can get this stupid shit taken care of right freaking now. Cointelegraph Gareth Jenkinson writing all about it. Let's see. Key figures representing the United States-based cryptocurrency mining industry have raised red flags over an emergency survey to garner information on energy consumption and sources by operators. The Department of Energy Statistic Agencies received approval for its, quote, emergency request to collect data in January 2024. The administration previously told Cointelegraph that it aims to develop a baseline snapshot identifying electricity sources for United States cryptocurrency miners and singling out regions with concentrated mining activity. Okay, so let's just pause just a little bit. If you didn't know, the Department of Energy, through this otherwise unknown agency, is trying to gather information on just the crypto mining industry, which essentially at this point is Bitcoin only. Nobody's really mining anything else because everything else is either proof of proof of fraud, proof of stake, Ethereum type style shit, or it's like Doge, which has no appreciable mining power behind it whatsoever, which makes me wonder why Elon is is still talking about it as he does. In either event, uh, nobody else has ever had this kind of survey delivered to them as to their energy usages. 
not uh not smelting plants um not uh, uh <clears throat> computer chip manufacturers they use a lot of electricity um there's a lot of places that use shit tons of electricity and uh they're they're never asked about who they get their electricity from and how much they use only bitcoin mining is getting that and i'm thankful that these guys are are looks like they're poised to tell the united states government to go pound sand they can answer their own survey because the funniest part about this entire thing is the fact that all of this information is immediately available to the department of energy through this eia it's it's all available they can go gather this information up by themselves. All they have to do is get about a team of 15 interns, spend about a week at the Library of Congress and on their own computers, and they'll be able to find out exactly who's buying what from who because all of the energy contracts are what? Public knowledge. All of these contracts <laughs> all of these contracts can be basically gotten by the United States government. There, it's ridiculous. There's no reason for the survey, but whatever. That's what's going on with this. Anyway, several mining firms and organizations representing the broader blockchain industry have raised flags over the legality of the approach and questioned why government-run institutions are targeting the cryptocurrency mining industry. An overarching concern raised by respondents was the lack of clarity about the reasons for the emergency survey and suspicions of political motivations. The Texas Blockchain Council President Lee Bratcher hit out at the unprecedented information collection request and said the situation should be cause for concern for industries relying on data centers as part of their operations. Quote, the EIA's mandatory emergency survey of electricity consumption data represents the latest politically motivated campaign against Bitcoin mining, cryptocurrency, and United States-led innovation, end quote. Bratcher claimed that the EIA survey is an abuse of authority that looks to further the Biden administration's public goal to limit or eliminate United States Bitcoin miners while feigning ignorance over the industry's use of renewable energy and flexible operational abilities. The TBC president, Texas Blockchain Commission, president added that the general public is becoming increasingly aware of Bitcoin miners' ability to adjust data center power usage according to grid conditions. Bratcher also cited anecdotal evidence, which the EIA referenced in its technical analysis report justifying the survey, where Bitcoin miners offered critical grid-stabilizing benefits during recent periods of cold weather in Texas. A spokesperson from the Riot Blockchain reiter, or excuse me, a spokesperson from Riot Blockchain reiterated Bratcher's sentiments, telling Cointelegraph that the EIA's request is unlawful and that the company is exploring its legal options. Quote, We question how a survey can be considered an emergency, and why this emergency only targets Bitcoin miners. On its face, this appears to be an attempt to avoid administrative procedure, including public notice and a comment period in service of a political agenda. Ooh, nice. End quote. Riot's head of public policy, Brian Morkenstern, went as far as to label the EIA survey as a politically motivated attack on Bitcoin driven by the self-appointed anti-crypto United States Senator Focahontas Elizabeth Warren. Commentators have also questioned why the EIA has not imposed similarly mandatory 
data collection measures on other industries in the U.S. that demand large amounts of energy. Sunnyside CEO Taras Kuliak, whose company provides hardware and infrastructure to Bitcoin mining firms, including Iris Energy, CleanSpark Cathedral, and BitFarms, told Cointelegraph that a pressing concern is the lack of context of the collection's intent and why the digital mining sector was singled out. Quote, in many industries... They utilize vast amounts of electricity in going concern operations. The fact that this is targeting our sector screams to be another political attack. When Congress and the White House have many bigger issues to tackle, Kuliak said. The Sunnyside CEO said that it's fair to argue that it's in the public's interest to understand how much energy every industry used in a country. Kuliak believes government agencies singling out digital mining is disingenuous and reflects the malintent behind the request. Quote, I wonder, will, will the oil and gas, traditional data centers, banking and petrochemical sectors be asked to provide the same data? End quote. Riot's correspondence with Cointelegraph also notes that the EIA move could set a precedent for government agencies to overstep boundaries relating to sensitive industry data. The company believes that the EIA is scrutinizing the sector through unlawful means, despite the Bitcoin industry upholding a transparency as fundamental principles. Riot cautions that other industries should should be concerned about government agencies making private information public so that fringe political activists can cherry pick from its launch political and and to launch political attacks against legitimate businesses. Quote sudden emergency mandates from the government are in the interest of our industry or for any industry. Despite the transparency that is inherent in Bitcoin, the EIA is trying to unilaterally impose standards on Bitcoin mining that no other industry would tolerate. Riot's spokesperson added, corresponding with Cointelegraph, Colin Harper, head of research and content at Bitcoin mining software company Luxor, described the EIA's move as an inauspicious development. Harper said that the survey being touted as an emergency was alarmist, but notes that these types of surveys are unprecedented given that the agency routinely conducts surveys on energy used for commercial buildings and manufacturers in the United States. However, Harper adds that the EIA has only run one pilot program to identify data center power use specifically. The program received just a 26% response rate, from the 50 data centers that the EIA solicited, and that was back in 2018. My God, six years ago. Harper also questioned why the EIA has tapped data centers for information in these commercial building surveys, but had not singled the industry out before the 2018 pilot. Quote, seems pretty incongruous to me for the EIA to single out Bitcoin miners with a standalone survey when they haven't even done a full-scale one for data centers writ large. End quote. Cointelegraph reached out to HUD-8, Core Scientific, and a few other ones. Has, has not received any comment or they've declined to comment. Okay. All right. Let's talk about this. This is a transparent move by the government either on purpose or accidentally that singles out Bitcoin mining. And it's not because of climate. It's because what it represents, it represents the loss of power to the power elite. They don't want to lose that power. Now, if they were good human beings, 
they would automatically realize that their position of powers is, and I'm not even going to use the words, what, what's the word that everybody, what, what's the word the woke people use all the time now? Uh, your privilege. Now, it's not a fucking privilege to be power elite. It's something that you take through greed and you risk doing illegal things and hope that you don't get caught. And some of these people are so well-trained in doing that because they had mentors over the years, passed down information through these little bullshit clubs. Like, And this is where Skull of Bones and stuff comes in. And people think that these clubs don't exist. They do. They exist just as much as the Toastmasters exists. And you know why the Toastmasters exist? Because over the years, being able to teach people how to speak in public in a very efficient manner, a very effective manner, has been passed down over the generations through the Toastmasters Club. That's how many many successful people learn how to speak in public been around forever, but because it's not nefarious, all it does is teach people how to speak and anybody can be a member. You pay your 60 bucks in fees or whatever, and you too can be a member of the Toastmasters. But for the elite clubs out of Harvard, Yale, Oxford, basically the higher education stuff where they basically go and grab the people as their freshmen and sophomores and indoctrinate the living shit out of them so that by the time they're seniors, they're going to either be a senator, a representative, or a spook. Not that there's that much difference anymore between those three. You're not going to be able to walk up to the door and go, oh, hey, skull and bones, Here's my dues. Can I just be a member of your club? No, it doesn't work that way. And there's a reason it doesn't work that way. Because just like the Toastmasters teaches people how to talk in public, these elite clubs teach people how to act in immoral, unethical, patently illegally, and get away with it. That's what they teach. And that's what builds the power elite. It's the ability to do that which you know is wrong and then not only become comfortable with doing what is wrong, but become excited about doing even more wrong because the thrill is you're learning how to access the knowledge that has been taught to you on how to get away with it. How do you think Senator Elizabeth Warren is valued at something like $73 million in total net wealth, yet makes $210,000 a year in salary. You know, I'm surprised that nobody in Congress doesn't immediately address if she is ever sitting on a bench and you are called up to a hearing. I believe as a United States citizen, it is your duty to start off your opening comments, which they allow you to make at every hearing, The first sentence should be, it has come to my attention that Senator Elizabeth Warren has not only lied about her heritage, but is clearly somehow or another in command of $73 million of net worth, yet only makes $210,000. That would mean that she would have to have, and then X, Y, and Z, a bunch of examples of just how good of a day trader she'd have to be to be able to make that money legally by trading stock, Mutual funds, equities, you name it. 
because she did not get $73 million doing that. She was able to leverage what she has been taught through her elite connections because the power structure seeks to carry itself through history just like your genetic information needs offspring to carry itself through history. Essentially, they're passing down memes. M-E-M-E-S. But not the funny kind of memes. Instructional memes on how to commit blatant crimes against humanity, whether financial or physical, and not see the inside of a jail cell. That's exactly what this EIA bullshit is. It's part of that club. It's part of that ability to say, this is clearly, clearly a targeted attack against a particular industry, which in many cases in United States code, actual law, that shit's not allowed. And people can go to jail or at least get sued wildly for doing shit like this. You can't do this. You can't do this. It is illegally. There's no reason to question the legality. Is shit's illegal. Right? And this is all coming from the power elite. What's the prescription here? The mining industry in the United States is going to have to 100% say no. This survey will need to get a 0% participation rate for the mining industry in the United States to not only survive this particular attack, but to put at rest any further attacks like this. If one miner, if one United States Bitcoin miner fills out this survey, I'm not saying that we're toast, but I'm saying that it will no longer have the effect as if all of the United States miners stood shoulder to shoulder with eyes on Senator Elizabeth Warren and say, we're not going to do this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. Dad says jokes. Actually, not dad says jokes. This is from the very embarrassing book of dad jokes uh, from Ian Allen. First man. I once knew a man with a wooden leg called Smith. Second man. Really? What was his other leg called? Son. What are you getting mom for her birthday? Dad. A new bag and belt. The Hoover hasn't been working very well lately. Oh, yeah, that's bad news. That's like getting your wife a treadmill for her birthday. Don't do that shit. I knew a guy that did that shit. You don't want to do that shit. Literally ruined what was left of his relationship with a very pretty young woman. I I actually watched it happen. They were kind of on the ropes at the time, and he bought her a treadmill, which tells you what? You're basically telling your girlfriend that she's fat. No matter, even if you didn't mean it, 
If that wasn't in your head, that's what you're telegraphing. You're fat. Yeah, it they ended breaking up a couple of months after that. What's brown? Steams and come out of it, come out of a cow's back end. The Isle of Wight ferry. Well, Wright is a bunch of bullshit, and that COPA trial is still ongoing. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, that COPA uh, lawsuit is going to drag on for weeks. So don't please don't expect that Craig Wright gets his ass handed to him anytime soon. And what I'm worried about, honestly, and I really actually worry about this, that the courts, through back channels, at the behest of these secret, powerful, elite individuals, are going to allow Craig Wright to get through this unscathed. Because he clearly is causing a problem for Bitcoin. That's what they want. They're not, the courts no longer work for us. I actually don't, I'm not going to bet that Craig Wright wins, but it's not going to surprise me if he does. And I certainly am not going to be sad about it. That's for goddamn sure. But just be aware, we don't live in a world where the judiciary is for the people. We don't live in a world where nations militaries are for the people we we don't we don't live in a world where taxes builds roads at least not income taxes because they don't in the united states that's the fuel tax that's what builds roads not a single penny of your income tax actually builds roads we don't live in a world that resembles anything like what we've been told the world is so react and act Accordingly, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.